Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about rhythms for building resilience so you can take charge of your mental, spiritual, and relational health. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Building a Resilient Life, How Adversity Awakens Strength, Hope, and Meaning. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's build resilience together. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We hope you guys are enjoying this season and this part of the year. It's been a sweet thing to have our kids home from college these last couple of weeks. And I am trying so many new recipes. Yeah, um, doing a great job. It's fun. And, and I've gotten in the kitchen a little more too. I know. That's that's my New Year's resolution peanut butter, for you, peanut, is that you'll cook with me more next year. Peanut butter year. chocolate balls are the <laughs> downfall for me. <laughs> They're called Buckeyes. But I try to... F- find a way to make them healthier because the peanut butter feels like it could be healthy and you know almond butter works but nothing tastes as good as no just the original um that's yeah but we hope you guys are trying lots of recipes but as we head into this time of the year it is the ultimate time i know for rebecca and i we just spent the last couple of days really reflecting on this past year and it was certainly a year talking a lot about resilience Mm -hmm. and rebecca's book Building a Resilient Life was, I know, part of each of your journeys as you've been trying to navigate how to build that. And there's nothing better than at the end of the year reflecting on all that God's done in your life, the things you've learned, but then starting to look forward to 2024. So we wanted to set you guys up with something that you can kick off right in January. It's a New Year growth challenge of rhythms. And if you are been around here, you know that rhythms are a huge part of the Rhythms for Life podcast. And we thought we would give you a 30-day challenge where every day there's something that you can implement. And trust me, we'll be doing this together. So you'll be hearing from me on social media as we undertake this. But we wanted to make it simple. And you just look at your day. And if you miss a day, no big deal, because rhythms and resolutions are not the same thing. Resolutions are extreme and you have to be vigilant. The beauty of a rhythm is that you get a chance to do it over again and again and again. So it's it's a grace to ease into this rhythms, but we thought for 30 days it would be a fun way to try a bunch of different things together. Yeah, and January is such a fun time to kick off and attempt new rhythms, and it's a perfect time for you to not only do it with yourself, but to have someone else in your life, a friend, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, where you challenge each other and go, let's try to incorporate new rhythms into our life rhythm. So if you go to RebeccaLyons.com slash new year, everyone who signs up there and downloads the calendar, you'll get an email from me directly just to this group so that you get to hear from me in real time what we're doing together for that week, how we'll find each other, maybe we'll tag each other. Um, But there's just a fun way to do this as a group. So I'd love for you to join up with this group for the month of January at RebeccaLyons.com slash new year. Now, if you're still shopping for that perfect Christmas gift, you don't know what to give, maybe, maybe it's for yourselves. It could also be for some of you who are grandparents and you're thinking about your children. Give the gift of a retreat that we are hosting May 9th and 10th in Franklin. It's our marriage and parenting rhythms retreat. And when we host this retreat, we bring in the experts, and you'll, you'll hear from Sissy Goff. She'll be with us talking through all the ways in which we can think about mental health, emotional health, spiritual and physical health as it relates to our parenting, our children. We also have Justin Whitmill Early with us, who's talking about the habits of the household. That's been a popular book the last two years, helping families start to incorporate rhythms into the way they operate their home. We'll also have a marriage counselor with us that helps you navigate what it means to live out a healthy marriage. Now, you can learn all about that retreat. It's happening May 9th and 10th in Franklin at RebeccaLyons.com slash retreat. 
And we want to give you a gift. So if you want to take advantage of this before January 1st, you can take $100 off the registration for yourself or if you want to gift that to someone you love. So use code RFL100 to take advantage of that $100 discount. We wanted to end the year with a very inspiring and joyful and creative conversation that I had with Farrell Mason, the author of Soulful. And she wrote a book. It's a devotional on how to nourish the mind, body, and spirit. And I've been cooking all these recipes from it for the last couple months. There's some practices in there. She's a deep well, a, a just joyful person of overcoming hard things. And I think you're going to love ending your year with this conversation. Let's listen in now. Welcome to the podcast, Farrell. I'm so excited to have you. And um, I also hear that the French call you Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Farrell or Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. And you said you know French, like you're fluent? Well, you know, I, I took it in high school, like okay. we all did back then, yeah. and um, didn't do so well. And then I took it in college, also didn't do so well. And then right when we were getting married, David got transferred. And yeah. so we lived in France. And that'll teach you. And that'll teach you. But then we've been back here for years and I'm, you know, yeah, I'm not dreaming French. Right. They no, say no, no, that's no. like, yeah. you know, yeah. and I'm You've not dreaming be. in French. I love it. I took three years of French in high school and really loved all the French food. And the very first place we ever went was Paris when I finally did travel abroad. And I, I just tried talking the whole time and they were kind of, a, you know, they were kind of, I don't know, letting me do it, but I could just tell. I was like, I'm not really getting this right. But over the course of a week, you're right. Like, it just gets more natural, and you have to be in it. Um, and you have to have people kind of even speak it back to you. You're like, oh, that's what, that's how you say that. Okay. Exactly. And it is what we were saying, that it is such a beautiful language. Yes. So to say things, it's, yeah. fun, it's fun to speak in French. I know. I love it. So yeah. you have six kids. I do. Tell us more. Well, I am the oldest of six girls. Wow. And so I um I already grew up in Grand Central Station. There you go. Household. Yeah. And I would have told you that I was gonna have one child. Okay. Or maybe two. Yeah. And I have six. There you go. Um, yeah. So Charlie, my oldest, is twenty-one. And Finn, the grand finale, is seven. Wow. So I'm doing college and first grade. I hear you. I'm not far off from that. We've mm -hmm. got a 22-year-old and a 10-year-old okay. uh, because we have 22, 20, and 18. And um, our 20 and 18-year-old are both in College of Virginia and Florida. We match up perfectly then. There you go. Because Belle is, yeah. she's 19, but she's okay. freshman in college. Yeah. So freshman and junior for us. Mm -hmm. And then we adopt, adopted Joy five years ago at age five, who is now 10, and she's in she's fourth 10. grade. Okay. And so it is wild to be in all the seasons at once, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've got the physical um, nurture of like the youngers and the emotional <laughs> nurture of the olders. And it almost feels like it's kind of pulling like the greatest hits from uh, anything you've ever learned in life well, on all fronts. Yeah. Well, and it also, it, it keeps you fresh. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're, you know, I'm moving from Charlie's applying for jobs for next summer. Yeah. So we're talking about interviews to reading yeah. for the first time yeah. with Finn. Oh, and I know. sitting in his bed and, you know, him reading Dr. Seuss to me. And that's what we're doing. Joy and I are in deep in the weeds on reading on right reading. now. Yeah. But I have to tell you, and I don't know if you feel this way, 
I'm I'm more present mm-hmm. and kind of curious about the whole process mm-hmm. this second go around. Yeah, I am too. You know, I and, am too. And actually maybe enjoying it yeah. a little more. Yeah. And um, so it's not a bad thing. We call it the first family and the second family. <laughs> um, the older kids call it the A team and the B team. Oh, yeah, right. Which that doesn't, yeah. you know, job well with the, the, <laughs> the younger <B> team. ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. We have the older and the younger. So we're like, well, it's really kind of an interesting thing. Um, talk about uh, your vocation. Okay. Yeah. And your the history of that. It's so fascinating to me. Like what you do, your divinity school, all the things. Okay. So I'm going to start with... Um, how it all began, which is my first son, Charlie, um, was diagnosed with cancer mm. on Christmas Day Wow! when he was 10 weeks old. Wow! And so I was in a full career in the art world and had gotten my first master's degree and was working in New York City. And then my whole life just completely yeah. changed. And um, we, when Charlie was diagnosed, we had a chaplain come in, and he kind of said— I don't want to say all the wrong things, mm. but I just remember in my little heart and head thinking, goodness, if I see my way through this, mm. then I want to be the person that a family wow. comes in contact with. How old were you then? I was 28. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was, was 26 young. when Cade was born and then got the Down syndrome diagnosis about six hours later. And especially with your first, right? Like you're kind of like, oh, it's a, it, it's you, your entree to motherhood. And you're also completely. kind of in this world of com, like, you didn't health, know anything in the unknown, first place. Right. And then it's, <laughs> yeah. And then you're in this place of, wow. and, and so it really started, um, one, you know, I'd always grown up in the church and it was super important to me and to my family, but something changed because I found myself in a place of, desperation mm-hmm. kind of on that mm-hmm. edge of despair and and so this word hope came into play and and um it is it is my word at church everyone knows that's my word it is hope and um and so my life we we did the two years at Sloan Kettering in New York with Charlie and then when we um were at a place where we were free to go we moved to Nashville yeah and so how was that journey for him like how was well, he was 10 weeks old. They called yeah. him Chuckles at the hospital because he smiled all the time. Wow. And and he was just pure grace through mm. it. Wow. You know? Mm. Mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Different story. Yeah. It's like, you know, we kind of got a nursing degree. Sure. And, but we, so the chaplain that kind of said those surface level things that really were not going to help me, mm-hmm. um, I then had a minister in New York who met with us every Friday and he spoke just such strength and resilience and the possibility that there's hope. Yeah. And this possibility of um, you got to trust. Yeah. And you've got to put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take it one day at a time. And um, which is a lot of what you say in your book with resilience is, is this sense of um, you can do this and God will see you through. It is not going to be pretty. Right. 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 And there are going to be a lot of bathroom cry sessions. Yeah. <laughs> and there are going to be a lot of um, moments where you feel like you're on really shaky ground on the inside and maybe even physically. And, um, but what I learned is that God does see you through. Yeah. Amen. Right. And so, um, it wasn't perfect though. No, I know. <laughs> and it was, it was really, um, it was just, just an inside out 
growing, expanding, really having to trust, um, trust myself, um, trust other people to help me, um, trust my husband, who was my partner right there beside me. But I started to, uh, to see, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is— what real life is like. Right. You know? And sometimes, we, like, even when you're like, the the struggle wasn't perfect, I don't think it's supposed to be. I think there's so much grace in the wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know, God is so big, and He makes room for kind of that tension to hold us in it. And, and we don't have quick fixes or quick answers or quick resolve. And sometimes those are the places the most formation happens. You look back and you're like, I'm actually really proud of her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, she just walked by faith, um, not by sight. And it wasn't all easy. And yeah, but that was the point, I think. Those are the things that grow you and um, grow your faith and then help you walk other families through something very similar or some form of loss, some form of longing some form of need. What does that look like for you today in your work? Well, and you know, I um we have these key people in our lives that I think God puts in, in our path mm-hmm. to speak um just truth and hope into us and also show us like what the path could look like, the yeah. path of possibilities. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up at Divinity School. Yeah. Um because this minister said, I just have this sense in you that that mm. you you can be used mm. in, in a beautiful way. And yeah. I think that you can um, walk into that hospital room with two, a young couple who's just been told the most devastating sure. news of their life, and I think you can speak authentic hope yeah. into their path. And so I went to Vanderbilt, which was this incredible, hard, yeah. wonderful experience. Yeah, I mean, I laugh now because I can remember— because I know you're you're doing the divinity school thing yeah, right now, yeah. and so I I giggle because um, you know I can remember my Hebrew Bible class, yeah, <laughs> and like sitting in my bathroom at three o'clock in the morning with a flashlight, <laughs> was, trying not to wake up. That was I had me this morning. Infants yes. and babies, yeah. and and I was so inspired mm. and excited mm-hmm. by the information that was coming yeah. into me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also am a little bit of an overachiever. So I, I, I wanted to do well too. Right. So it was this constant balance of taking it in, enjoying the classes, enjoying the professors, but then also, you yeah, know, you not gotta, stressing about the outcome. No, and, yeah, not yeah. stressing about the outcome. And that's the only advice I would tell you is just take the information in. Yeah. Because no, you're here I, to just like let it drop into every yeah. cell of your body yeah. and enjoy it yes. and relish it because it is a gift of an school. I think it yeah. just expands you in, in mind, heart, and spirit in mm-hmm. such a beautiful way. Um, so anyway. Yeah, I almost cry almost every week on our group Zoom of 18 people. I'm like, oh. I'm, here we are. But but what I'm finding is the learning is so invigorating. Invigorating but, is a wonderful word. But the problem is the, I think I was just kind of, we were kind of like having a group pep talk after the fact yesterday that we're not here to like have a perfectionist hat on. Like we're here to just lean in and and bring our very best because we really want to receive, not get through, get by, have have the credential, but like we want it to expand our hearts and 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 do that in a way that's transformative and to do that you have to be so present in it and not so stressed about. So, yeah, whatever kind of like the papers and all that that can get overwhelming, but at the same point going like I'm just going to bring my whole self to it. And and it's just like writing books. 
You just do it under God and release the outcome. And like release it really the outcome. is an offering. And I, I'm thankful to have made that switch. I've been writing books for a long time. And for a long time, I would almost be paralyzed to write because I was so afraid of what people would think or how it would be received that it stunted. Are you talking to me right yeah, now? <laughs> that it would stunt the real creative <clears throat> flow. Right. And I'd second guess myself. And then I'd have to just have this whole mental workup, you know, like, you know, pump myself up. And God said, do it unto me and release the outcome. And the minute you realize you can release the outcome, you can actually write from a pure place again. And you can just be so present yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah. Right? We want yeah. to enjoy it. And that's yeah. what that's the only thing I would tell you is, yeah. is take a breath and yeah. enjoy yes. this gift yes. that you're that you're getting. But anyway, so then through my connections at Vanderbilt, I started working in a church as a pastoral minister. And I've been doing that for 16 years. Wow. And let me tell you, that has so expanded my heart and made me be braver than I thought I could ever be. What's your favorite part of your of your work there? Um, I just love being present with people. Yeah. And usually I'm present with them in their vulnerable, their most vulnerable place yeah. and them trusting me to be there. Mm -hmm. And and then me trusting myself to speak a word of hope mm. into that place. Mm. And and really I love people. Mm -hmm. I love them so much, and I want them to know that we are going to get knocked down and we're going to have setbacks, but we're also going to keep moving forward, and God has so much ahead. Yeah. If I had it's known beautiful. when Charlie was born that year how my life would be 21 years later, I mean, it's just incredible how the path has opened for me. Amen. And it's um, been a lot of tears and a lot of me showing up and having to be brave. Mm -hmm. and um, But just such beautiful, sacred, meaningful life. I and, love that. Um, anyway, so this book, mm -hmm. Soulful, um, I open with John and the Gospel of John, um, which I'm kind of, I just love yeah. Scripture. Yes, come on. And I love, mm -hmm. you know, and this one, though, really speaks to me because um, Jesus said, I came so that you would have life and full. Mm -hmm. And so the word full, which is in the title, that's probably what I've learned the most is mm -hmm. that Jesus came so you'd have life and full. And what that means is it's going to be exquisite here yeah, on it's Earth. beautiful. You're going to have so much beauty, mm. so much laughter, so much joy. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing quite like loving someone and yeah. being loved by someone yeah. and really that experience. Um, there's also going to be heartbreak. Yeah, fully. Full, mm -hmm. soul flat, Yeah, knockout, drag out, yeah. hurt, where yeah. your heart just hurts and right. clutches. And I think Jesus is like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's part of the full yeah. because— you're going to learn how to be resilient. Yeah. You're going to learn how to be brave. Sure. You're going to learn how to heal. Yeah. You know, I think and it's Wendell Berry that says, um, there's a quote in one of his poems, and but the end of the poem says, practice resurrection. I, I love that. I be love like the it. fox. Be like the fox. Yes. That's my favorite poem. Practice resurrection. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Mm -hmm. We're built to mm -hmm. rise mm -hmm. all through our life mm -hmm. until the ultimate. Yeah. And... It's just the reality of it. Yes, come on. It's not going to be a rose petal path I know. ever. I know. And you're, it's it's interesting when Jesus says, I've come to give you life to the full. He's also the same Savior that was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. Oh. And so this fullness isn't this kind of trite, cliche, happy-go-lucky 
there's a richness and a depth of fully being embodied in lament, in resurrection, in Mm -hmm. joy. Um, Because you almost, if you try to avoid the lows, you avoid the highs. You kind of stay at this like safety net of kind of middle ground, like just not feeling. But if you do feel the lows and that you have the capacity to feel the highs, then God is actually going to walk you through that valley of the shadow of death so that you will be not fearful. And then you will, that death always does precede resurrection. That's kind of the, the way in which God works. And so practicing resurrection for me has looked like having to die to some things prior to for finding sure. the resurrection on the other side. For me, for, with Cade early on, it was just dying to the um, developmental delay um, timeline, right? Like when he had this diagnosis in year one, I was like, well, we still have to do all the eight therapies a week to make sure he's crawling and he's doing it in the proper way and he's wearing the right helmet and the right hip things because he had hip dysplasia. It just was like a cascading effect of things I kept trying to like fix so that he would be less delayed than I thought he should be. Mm-hmm. And at year one, I had a big ugly cry and I was like, okay. I'm going to release the outcome even with him, right? This idea of kind of us trying to performatively get what we think we need so that we feel secure or confident or in control. And um, the fullness for me as a mom coming from that moment out was like, I get to enjoy him and what God has for him today mm-hmm. and not so much still doing the work, but a different motivation. It's just out of the joyful cadence of today. So let's talk about your soulful. Um, okay. There's something that you say in the beginning where we're talking about, do we live this one life well? A Mary Oliver, mm-hmm. a quote. Um, there was a book by Parker Palmer, uh, Let Your Life Speak. I'm sure you're familiar, yes. listening to The Voice of Vocation. And he talks about the the poem at the beginning called Ask Me. And it, the whole idea or the premise of, is the life I lead the life that longs to live in me? It's kind mm. of this idea of, we all kind of yearn or long for this full well life, this Mm -hmm. soulful life. Um, But does our everyday patterns, habits, rhythms actually yield the life that we long for? So how would you talk to somebody in a way that go, I like this idea of a full life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the, the ethereal idea of that. Practically, though, am I living a life that's going to even yield that? Are my daily actions and choices currently is there even a trajectory of of experiencing that? Because I might not be feeling that today or haven't for a long time. And if if it does mean that I need to make these behavioral pattern change, rhythmic priorities, mm-hmm. um, how do I begin? Okay. Well, I think that I'm all about gentle nudges. There you go. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just a little gentle. And and giving myself grace and everyone around me grace. I mean, I I do have six children, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and have a job and writing and yeah. all of these yeah. things. And so what I realized, I, I did a funeral for a really dear friend who was 40, and she mm-hmm. passed away from colon cancer. And I was sitting in the pew, and I thought— um, Am I living the life that I want to live? Because Mm. she so wanted to live Mm. the life that she wanted to live. Am I? And I did. I I was like, well, yeah, sometimes Mm. I have these really wonderful glimmers of, yeah, "Yeah." you know, I was present with the kids and we had this beautiful table and it was a great dinner. And, you know, I'm working, taking care of my soul and um, I'm in nature and I'm doing all these things, but not enough. Mm. 
Mm. Not enough. And what I realized is, especially in the world that we live in, which in my life in the last four to five months here in Nashville has felt um, hard and kind of mean, and technology and the news and everything that's going on in our world right now, um, I say, am I making it through? Or am I making it sacred? Yeah. And so the word for me is, and I know it's like the code word, is am I making it sacred? So it's it's not going to be perfect. Sure. Right? And my yeah. life is really kind of <laughs> all yeah. over the place and, and really yeah. beautifully imperfect. But my question to myself always is, is it sacred? Yeah. And and so— That's a good nudge because I do find myself uh, processing verbally with Gabe whether or not he asks for it sometimes. And I'm like, and if I hear the phrase come out of my mouth, it says, if we can just get through this blah, oh. blah, 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 blah. And I said that a lot <laughs> in the spring because there was a lot of deadlines and that required a lot of me constantly. And it did feel like there was just too much intensity with zero margin. I was like, am I just trying to get through some of these big milestones that are worthy of celebration, but I just am too tired to to celebrate? So the sacred get through is a really important question because what does it look like? Like what if the circumstances don't change, but there is something you can do to make those circumstances more sacred? Okay, so I tell myself if I could do one thing for my soul a day. Okay. So I have I do stuff for work. I do stuff for my writing. I do stuff for the kids. I do stuff for my husband. But can I do one thing for my soul a day? Okay. And so I, in the profession that I'm in, it, it really is like my capacity of, for hope, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I have to really think about how what is my capacity for hope? I, I talk about my my cowboy boots that I've had for like 25 years, and in this spring wore down the mm. bottom of them, mm. and and so I have to go back to these same things. So what did you for do? Me personally, with your boots? okay. So I'm going to tell you. So resoling the boots is <laughs> okay. basically what oh, had did to you happen go horseback this summer. Riding? Tell me more. No, 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 no. It's it's much simpler than that. So okay. So something that so brought being you. in nature is super important. Mm-hmm. So I really, for my soul, I need to be in nature every day. Okay. So that's a big I'm in, touch I'm, point I'm, for me. Agreed. So, um, and usually I combine, because I know you walk, so I combine running or walking in nature, mm-hmm. um, and I don't listen to anything. So we're only listening to that's good. what's going on head to heart. Yeah. Right? So it's— good. Um, and, and my life is right, really busy. Right now I'm busy. listening to seminary books on audio, so I'm not yeah. sure I'm getting the same soul filling. I am learning and retaining, but you're right. Like there's yeah, that silence. Yeah, but that silence. could be filling up your soul though right yeah. now. So, yeah. but I, so, you know, I, I laugh because I do, I feel like I live in Grand Central Station with my family. Yeah. You know, we have all these dogs, we've got all these people, we got husbands, <laughs> we got, you know, everything. And so I, um, kind of coined the phrase that I, I need like a monastery moment every day. Right, so I need to feel like it doesn't mean I'm being a monk (laughs) because I kind of am a spinning top personality. But I need to like have the quiet and the stillness in my life. So that usually happens in nature. Do you Um, have a place inside your home that can be a little monastery moment? Because I'm thinking of some mamas that might not always. Yeah. Okay. What does that look like? Okay. So my altar has my Mary. Okay. That my friend Anne gave me. Okay. And it, she's beautiful. Okay. Um, it has a little thing of holy water from Lourdes, which I brought you some today. Okay. Because Lourdes is super important to our family. Okay. Um, it has uh, a picture of my family. Aww. It has a little cross. Okay. And it has a little candle that's in the shape of a star. And honestly, 
this is going to sound maybe crazy, but I can just walk past it, mm. and it gives me a monastery moment. Okay. Like even just walking just past the symbolism. it. symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, Feral. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I do every single day, and, and I think it's because I lived in London, and this is kind of part of their cultural tradition, but I have a cup of tea today, every single oh, day. Oh, I'm, I'm up for that. So I, it's, it's almost the ritual of fixing the cup of tea mm, is, is more important than the even drinking of the tea. Mm-hmm. But I love tea. I actually brought you some tea, my favorite Aww, one today, too. So you. that I hope you enjoy that. So those are two, two things. Sure. Nature, which is usually when I'm talking to God mm. and bearing my soul. Mm. And then also this monastery moment in the day, for me, that's— Fixing the cup of tea, sitting down, and having a quiet moment. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, it can last two minutes. Yeah, it does it though. Yeah, because it, it, I've done yeah. it. I've I've invited that into my life. That little and stopping, it's rhythmic. And it's rhythmic, and that happens every day. Yeah, that's huge. The consistency of that. Oh, it just I mean, becomes so transformative over time. Mine is sitting on the front porch with no one else um, for a moment. And I always bring my Bible or a journal, and inevitably I'll sit there for about 10 minutes and not even open it. I just am watching the birds flip from tree to tree or sing or just looking at the sunrise in the morning if it's early enough or just like beholding. I'm I'm just kind of sitting in it in quiet and just taking it all in because the mornings are so sweet like that. Um, Not everyone has like a front porch view or they might not have a place to run in nature, but the intentionality of getting outside and just breathing fresh air out of conditioned air is we all have to find ways to do that. Not go from the kitchen to the garage to the car to to the carpool line, right? There's got to be some outdoor, like just free <laughs> places right. to think, to move our bodies. Um, what are some other soulful practice? You have these things called soul joy. Soul joy, Which yeah. I love. It's <laughs> kind of like, it's like a sun joy for your soul. <laughs> yeah. Just um, the, the Chick-fil-A drink. I'm sorry. I always order the sun joy. It's like half unsweet, half lemonade. It feels just perfect for me. Oh. But, um, but they call them sun joys. But I love that you're talking about a soul joy because who doesn't want that? Um, give us some examples in the book. I mean, you have everything from like chicken soup to meatballs to a one-word prayer to um, matcha latte, your tartines, tempering the fear. Talk about what these look like. Are these all momentary moments for people or there's just everyone can kind of like find the rhythm or the the action, the moment that really replenishes them? Well, I mean, I um, – food – Fellowship and the table are super important to me too. So I um, I did include recipes in the book, and they're recipes that a mother of six children that's working they're all the t- time tried and true. There they're is tried a perfect and roasted chicken. There's in a here, perfect guys. roasted chicken, but these are these are recipes that when you're on the run, you feel like you can make something beautiful yeah. that is nourishing mm-hmm. body and spirit. And I just, you know, I feel like the table, Jesus gave us the table. I think the table is a super sacred place. Yeah. And so that is a touchstone for our family mm-hmm. is the table every week, which is why I included the the recipes because I'm so happy about this. Sacred happens around the table. Yeah. And between kids, between parents, between friends, even strangers, yeah. you know, there's just like a soul filling that happens yeah. that's more than just even I agree the food. With that. Right. What about the conversations that you curate around the table? What do those look like with your family or with friends? Oh, well, it depends on who we're talking to, Rebecca. (laughs) If we're talking to Finn, who's the seven-year-old, 
we might be talking about manners okay. right now. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. received that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're we're working on yeah. manners. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I tell the kids on the way to school, so we'll say a prayer to bless them before mm-hmm. they get out of the car. But I also say, you know, we wake up every morning. That means we've been given another day to live mm. in love on this planet. Mm. So we got to live in love, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. make this day count for something. And so a lot of times on the table, I'll be like. Did you do something mm-hmm. that made this day this day count? Did you live in? Did you love? Did you do? I said it can be the smallest thing, like picking up a pencil pen in the first grade classroom for your friend that next door. Or it can be, you know, I'm all about giving words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. I think we all need them. Yeah. I went to the dentist last week, which I really don't love going to the dentist. It's just not. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where maybe I'm going to schedule out of that one. And he told me I had beautiful teeth. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember. As he had the camera in the mouth. So it wasn't my smile. He was actually looking inside my mouth at the teeth. And I came out of there. I was like, radiant. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I'm almost 50 and he told me I had beautiful teeth. I'll take it. I'll take that word of encouragement. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Filling the cup up. That's good. I think it's so important with you having six kids and you creating these joy, soul joy moments. It's you're not only telling them, you're showing them, you're living it. You're inviting them into it. They're they're getting to experience it. And I have found the most transformation in our family with our kind of handing down values and principles and virtues has been if Gabe and I are really being transformed by that personally, our kids pick up on that. Oh, yeah. And they want in and they want to participate. Uh, and so for us, dinner conversations, uh, not so much breakfast. We're, 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 we're kind of scooting out the door. We're, oh, because we're always late. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I get up early it's for time for myself, in the morning. <laughs> but not so much to nurture. It's like, oh, you look great. Your your teeth are clean, and you got your breakfast. I'm glad um, your teeth are clean. Yeah, I'm well, not so sure I give, ours are. I give the Joy did her own toothbrush, and what happens, happens. Uh, but um, – but the but the reflection I think at the end of the day is really sweet. Um, like like you're asking your kids, how did you live or love fully? And it's always gets you outside of kind of like your own self and going like, how am I seeing others? How am I serving others? How am I loving others? I think that's a really beautiful inspiration. I'm so excited about this book. I think everyone needs to get it. It's a weekly devotional, um, but if you're like me, you'll read ahead um, because these are. These small little essays that are so inspiring, and I'm keeping my, my my bedside and looking up all the recipes, but just beautiful promises of hope of how to press on, how to endure, how to persevere, but do it with joy. And do it with joy. Do it with right. joy. Come on. I named my daughter Joy just to remind me that I need to say joy a lot, and um, and she is every bit her name. So thank you, Carol, oh, for doing this, for writing this, for living um, in a way that you have allowed the Lord to work through some of those deepest places of, of um, hungering and thirsting for God to be so near. Um, just desperation. And it's so evident because now the Lord has appointed you to do that for so many families who are walking through tragedy or loss or longing and just clinging to the hope that God has entrusted to you to bring to them. So thank you. It's a joy. And I love that you wrote about planting things too, because the fellow gardener in me feels less alone. So thank you for that. (laughs) Um, Well, it is a joy to have you. And I just, um, I'm excited for this to transform a lot of lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for being with me. 
Well, that was a perfect conversation, I think, to inspire people, especially with their cooking. And I see this book now laying on our counter. Rebecca's been referencing it and trying some of these new recipes, and they're delicious. And so I hope this inspires you as you start making your meal plans as well as your life plans and rhythms for the new year. Don't forget to join me. Uh, January 1 will kick off the New Year Growth Challenge at RebeccaLyons.com slash New Year. And... Take advantage of the $100 discount using code RFL100 for the Marriage and Parenting Rhythms Retreat happening May 9th and 10th in Franklin. You can learn about that at RebeccaLyons.com slash retreat. And more than anything from Rebecca and I, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas season. We hope your new year kicks off well, and we're looking forward to lots more conversations and learning in 2024. So, so have, have a, a Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas and, and a, a Happy, happy New Year! year. <laughs>